One game on the docket, and it came down to a duel between two of the game's biggest stars. And Zion Williamson makes his debut for the Pelicans. It should be a national holiday for this one. And the NBA community banding together for Delonte West. It's the Wednesday Locked On NBA podcast. Let's go. You are locked on the NBA, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Welcome to the Wednesday edition of Locked On NBA, the daily podcast covering everything you want to know about the association. And on Wednesdays, I'm your co-host Jake Madison at Nola Jake on Twitter and the host of the Locked On Pelicans podcast. And I'm John Corrales at Reds Army underscore John on Twitter and host of the Locked On Celtics podcast. So I am obviously very, very excited today. Because we get to talk about Zion. We get to see Zion on the court. I'm sure you're probably pretty excited about this, John. Yeah, lukewarm, give or take. Okay, you know what? I'll take that. That's better than not. And you know what? (laughs) Nothing is killing my buzz today. We'll get to that in the second segment. But first, we had a pretty fun game last night. Only one game after we had 14 games on Monday for MLK Day. This one was the Clippers taking on the Dallas Mavericks. A 110-107 win for the Clippers. This one was... Pretty fun for a a while, particularly in the fourth quarter, despite the Clippers at one point having a 14-point lead. This came down to it. It was essentially a three-point game. The Clippers up three. They have to inbound the ball, have possession, but then a steal, and then an extra pass from Luka Doncic. we got to talk about if he should have taken that shot or not. To Tim Hardaway Jr., who misses the three, basically put it out of reach. So the ending of this was fun, but Luka's got to take that three and not be selfless and make that extra pass right i'm actually okay with him making that play i I don't think that's a that's a bad play uh i think that hardaway jr is the the better three-point shooter he's also he also hit three of seven while luca hit three of 12 they hit the same amount of out of threes right right but and and luca had just hit a big one prior to that so it's one of those, I think it's it's the six of one, half a dozen of the other. Like, no one's going to get upset at Luka for taking that shot. But Hardaway, like I said, has historically been the better three-point shooter, was the better three-point shooter in that game. And that extra pass against the scrambling defense gave Hardaway that ex- that just a good catch-and-shoot open sh- look. It, it's a good look. You can't really look. complain about it, to be it's, honest. It's really, it's really not a bad play at all. No, and Luca was, you know, didn't have the best shooting night. Three, like you mentioned, three of 12 from deep, but he finished with 36 points, 10 rebounds, nine assists. He started to get a little silly late in the third as this game started to get close. But Kawhi was, you know, just as impressive despite having kind of an off shooting night, too. Yeah, I thought Kawhi did a great job of using his size. I mean, that, that, type of game that he has uh that he displayed in, in this one was very playoff type very Kawhi yeah. type really um those are the types of the mid-range shots the two-point shots that that's where Kawhi really and why Kawhi really becomes like a finals MVP type of player because he can make those difficult shots against difficult defenses and 
you know, efficiency be damned in those situations. You need a guy to come in and take and make tough shots, and that's what Kawhi did. It Look, it, it, I think you can say efficiency be damned when he's that good, particularly on the defensive side of the ball too, because for a while the Mavs offense looked completely out of sorts, and it's that dude just reading their offense and knowing where to go and make plays. He finished with 36 on the night, by the way. Uh, 11 rebounds, two assists, but three steals as well. Yeah. He was just it's like blocks. a force. Yeah, he was awesome in this game and really disrupted the Mavericks and kind of kept them out of their rhythm and out of their offense. And they've had the best offense like historically ever right now. So to see one man kind of take them apart like that, you know, I'm okay if you then still put up 36 points on 29 shots. It's also better than going one of 17 from deep when your team just right. doesn't do much of anything. Like we've said <laughs> I wonder who you could be talking about there. No, no, no one in particular (laughs) here or anything Uh, like that. Um, I want to shout him out for making – speaking of the the right pass and the right play, Kawhi's pass to Landry Shamit. Landry Shamit hit some big, big threes. Everyone was expecting Kawhi to take a shot there uh, late in the fourth quarter. He found Landry Shamit with a nice kind of bounce pass at the top of the key, and Shamit drilled it. That – making the right play – only two assists for Kawhi, but that one was huge. Yeah, and Shamit was really good in this one for him, particularly in the fourth quarter where he came up pretty clutch. And I don't know, that dude like being almost like a secret weapon for him, particularly in the playoffs when he's getting even more experience right now, could be, I don't know, something pretty good for that team overall. Looking at the Mavericks, though, they suffered a pretty rough injury to Dwight Powell, their starting center, a guy they signed to a $33 million deal this offseason, three years uh, looks like it's going to be a torn Achilles. I think we've got to wait for official confirmation, but basically it's coming out that he is going to be maybe uh, having season-ending surgery on this one. This is a like shockingly big blow, I think, for this Mavericks team. Yeah, I mean, he's he's the type of player that, that really kind of holds things together for them um, and and fills in gaps where Kristaps Porzingis is struggling a little bit. And you go to Dwight Powell to, to kind of do a lot of the, the little things rebounding and, and some scoring and rim running and, and catching alley-oops and stuff like that. Um, that hurts. And really it, the, the number one reaction, obviously besides, I hope he does well with his recovery and, and it sucks that he got hurt. But now I wonder how this shakes up the trade market and what's Dallas's reaction going to be? Are they now going to look to make a move to replace Dwight Powell? How do they, how do they make up for that loss? Because really the, now you have to what move Maxi Kleber into the, the starting lineup. And now that leaves you with Boban as your backup, which is he did okay, but you can't rely on Bobon to give you big minutes. And so you, you either have to piece things together like they went with J.J. Barea in the starting lineup in, in the second half, which you go from Dwight Powell as your center to J.J. Barea in a different, complete look, completely different look. How do they how do they react to this is going to be, I think, the biggest question moving forward. 
Yeah, so this is right. So Powell was averaging 10 and 6, but I think was more important to this team than those numbers indicate. The Mavericks have been basically like a top five team in the pick and roll all year long. And he and Luca were really starting to develop something special with that in that type of offense. And now all of a sudden you lose that guy who yeah. can be that really good role man. And like that's not Porzingis. So I think that really kind of puts a big hole on this team overall. And it's kind of disappointing to see. Uh, I will say, though, Boban kind of was clutching this one at times. And also Rick Carlisle, who hates post-ups, running a bunch of post-ups for him late in the fourth quarter. In this <laughs> one, I thought was interesting. Also, when you're like that tall, like, yeah, maybe that's what you should be doing. Uh, but it was kind of interesting well, to see how they kind of adjusted and like didn't kind of do like the things that the Mavericks have done that have made him this good all year long. Come on, Rick. Run some pin downs for Boban. Let's see him coming off a couple of curls. Run some J.J. Redick plays for him. Look, I want to see that Boban. Here. I want to um, see that Boban. I don't even know if 24 seconds is enough time to have Boban running off double screens coming coming across the baseline. I mean, so what, it takes him like four, like four steps in 24 like seconds? Super slow. It'd, yeah. it'd, be like, it'd be like that dude from um, – uh, what was that Adam Sandler, the golf movie? The, the Happy Gilmore? Happy Gilmore, thank you. She totally drew a blank on that. That big guy that's chasing Shooter? Oh, yes. Yeah, that that's Boban running. It Look, yeah, that's probably about right. I don't know. I think every game should be a Boban game. And you got it a little bit in this one. He had 12 on the night. That's pretty good off the bench. Uh, for the Clippers, by the way, we probably need to shout out Lou Williams, 16 off the bench. Montrez Harrell, 12 off the Trez. bench. You know, mentioning those kind of two super subs form. And in the end, Trez they just couldn't get it done. Quarter. I think Trez was huge at the beginning of the fourth quarter for them. They kind of had like three phases of heroes in the fourth quarter for the Clippers. It started with Montrez Harrell, who had a bunch of putbacks. I mean, it's seven offensive rebounds in this game. Uh, he, he had a couple of putbacks in the fourth quarter, drew a charge on Porzingis. And then later it was Shamit kind of hitting some clutch shots. And then it was Kawhi taking over. So that was like a three phase thing that the Clippers. Hey, by the way, we didn't even mention no Paul George. I was, I was about to say, like, we're, we're like singing the praises of this team. Oh, by the way, they're playing without their second best player who might be the best player on most other teams. Yeah, right. I mean, so like this is and, and it kind of raises like the question about the Clippers of how how long can they do this? without having everybody together at the same time. And, and can they, you know, like you can have Kawhi in a very Toronto role playing with all of these guys, some great players that fit around him. Uh, but when you add Paul George, it's like, all right, we need to get this guy some continuity uh, and, and all that. And then on top of it, they lost Pat Beverly to a groin injury. Pat Beverly was huge for them early on, uh, being his usual pest defensively, and he hit three threes, which you don't usually get from Pat Beverly. No, he was a plus 18 on the night for this, so it shows you, and that's in 14 minutes, shows you the impact he has out there. Like, that's absurd from him. He's been very, very good this season, maybe like a step above what we're normally used to seeing from him. So that was the one game on the night. The biggest game, I guess, of yesterday. There's a pretty big game here in New Orleans tonight. The return of Zion Williamson. 
We are going to get into that in just a moment. But before we do that, today's episode of Locked On NBA brought to you by my bookie. You're the type of fan that knows basketball so well you could choose any game and call it. Well, my bookie is the place for you because they let you turn all your sports knowledge into cash in your wallet. We've got the Super Bowl. We're hitting the prime of the NBA season and college basketball is fully underway. It's time to get off the sideline and get in on the action with my bookie. If you want to make a big play, try a parlay, bet the big favorites, bet a little, win a lot. And if you're tired of watching games from the couch with nothing to gain, my bookie wants to get your mind off everything else and back on the game. And if you join right now, my bookie will match your deposit halfway, all the way up to $1,000. That means if you deposit $2,000, you get an extra $1,000 in free money to play with. Just use promo code LOCKEDONNBA to activate the offer. Once again, that's promo code LOCKEDONNBA to take advantage of my bookie's generous sign-up offer. Visit mybookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. All right, John, I'm hoping everyone in New Orleans is just taking the day off and is going to go tailgate at the Smoothie King Center here like they did for the LSU national title game a little over a week ago because Zion is back and I have been waiting for this for 101 days. Yes, I counted. (laughs) Well, if I know one thing about New Orleans is they always need an excuse to party. Yeah, I don't even know if it's we need an excuse to party, maybe, or just we no, do it anyway. No, but no you don't this, need an excuse to party at all. It's always a party in New Orleans. Uh, you'll, you'll find out this weekend. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, know, I'm excited. Anyway. So yeah. Zion's back. We found out yesterday, I think this is the biggest thing. So he's upgraded to questionable from being doubtful on Monday's game. This is just a formality and kind of moving him up the injury chart. He should be, by the time you're all listening to this, listed as probably probable or game time decision, I would guess. He's starting tonight for New Orleans, which I think is kind of the biggest surprise to me. I thought he might be coming off the bench, but I think they just kind of want to integrate him right back into this as quickly as possible and maybe get through some of the early growing pains that you'd almost expect with getting this guy back into a lineup that's actually played pretty well despite having a 13 game losing streak on the season so he's coming back in supposedly better than he's ever been according to him according to uh david griffin so there's a lot to be excited about and espn flexed out a game between the denver nuggets and the houston rockets two for sure playoff teams (laughs) in favor of a team that had a 13 game losing streak at one point this season i think that tells you a little bit about the hype around this one that's that's amazing. Uh, yeah, the Zion effect is real. I think they're starting him for two reasons. One is, like you said, they, they kind of want to, if you're going to put him in for whatever the minutes restriction is, I don't know what that's going to be, but he's certainly not playing 35 minutes. So if you're going to put him in, put him in with the guys he's going to be playing with. That's part one. Part two, it's a knee injury that he's come ba- coming back from. He's warming up. You might as well, after the warm-ups, get him going and not sitting on the bench, cooling off, stiffening up, whatever, or sitting on a bike. Just get him in there and get him going, and let's see how he goes. Uh, so I, I think starting him kind of makes a little bit of sense. As for the the hype, it's it's wild. I mean, the 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 circus around him is so crazy, and yeah. I I I get it. I, I'm I'm excited too. My only fear, and I, I said this kind of in a tweet like a year ago, and, and I got a bunch of crap for it, but I I fear that the expectations are just so high that they're unfair 
to him. But then he turns around and has a preseason where he looks like a freaking god. And you say, all right, maybe they're not too high. So I just I just hope that everybody's expectations, like if he comes out in this game, plays 15 minutes and has like six points and one rebound that people aren't like, oh, that's it. Like, I hope people give him like time to, you know, come back. So I think that's part of it. Preseason was was just something absurd. He averaged, I think it was 23-6 and a steal and a half per game and shot 71% from the yeah, field. Just and like had chin-ups on the rim the whole time. Yeah, he also had a game where he lit up Rudy Gobert repeatedly. <laughs> now, it's preseason, so who knows if Rudy Gobert is like his normal self. But, I mean, still, I think he had 29 points in 26 minutes or something like that. Like, that's absurd against that kind of player that he was going against i think one of the reasons so in terms of the minutes restriction he doesn't have one officially there's no like hard artificial cap they're just going to kind of play it by ear in the game and if he looks like he's kind of laboring out there and struggling they're they're going to pull him and maybe just sit him down for the rest of the game or give him a break they're just going to kind of feel it out in the flow of the game but officially no minutes restriction whatsoever but certainly he's going to be playing closer to 20 minutes than say 35 minutes per game and i think that's something to really keep in mind with the expectations the other thing is look this team's playing good basketball right now they've won 10 out of their last 14 including ending the utah jazz's 10 game winning streak and just ended the memphis grizzlies winning streak by the way giving them the championship belt that's right baby much um so this team's playing well so i don't think he needs to step in and do a whole lot you might have heard about this guy brandon ingram who's probably the most improved player and probably should be an all-star who's playing exceptional drew holiday's back Derek Favors is listed as questionable, but in the projected starting lineup for the game tonight, he could just come in, work off ball, cut, and that's how they like to use him and what they how they used him in preseason anyway. They didn't run a ton of pick and rolls necessarily with him. It was more put him on the perimeter, let someone else drive, and let him kind of do a, a cut behind that as the trailing man, and then get him the ball once he's got a full head of steam because good luck stopping that. And that's how they use him. That fits in well with what they're doing. Brandon Ingram can have the ball in his hand right now. Lonzo Ball can have it or Drew Holiday. And Zion just needs to cut and move around. He'll get the ball and he'll be able to score. And I think that means he can come in, maybe score something like 15 points if you factor in how often he's likely to get to the free throw line. And it shouldn't actually be that hard on him or disrupt the flow of what's been going on for this team. Yeah, I think the the way they used him in the preseason was really smart. And if they... With the full complement of players, they can c- continue to do that. Uh, the one thing that I, you know, we have such a limited NBA level yeah. uh, set of you know data here. You know, I looked at the little bit that he played in summer league where he was going up against uh, Mitchell Robinson and the Knicks, and facing up against Mitchell Robinson, trying to make a move taking a jumper like that, that just didn't work. No. And I don't, so, you know, a lot of, I, I've heard a lot of people when I was watching the ESPN broadcast of the Pels and Memphis game, the Pels and Grizzlies game on Monday. And they were like, Oh, imagine this guy with like four shooters around him. And while like, yeah, in theory, that sounds great. That's relying on Zion to do way too much ISO drive and kick. And like, that's not the best way to use him. So I don't think that's like what we're going to see from him. Because as you said, even in, um, summer league, like that part of his game just isn't quite there yet. Yeah, no, you sag off of him. Like he's not going to, he's not going to punish you in the post. Like he can, he can kind of back down, but like 
there are big, strong guys in the NBA. He's not going to get into the post and like back you down and, and it, he can get some spin moves and dunks. Sure. But like that, that's not the best way to use him. Facing him up is not the best way to use him. The, the way they, the, the Pelicans are constructed with a point guard like drew and some guys that can create the space. You, you can do exactly like you said, run the pick and rolls and have him kind of cutting uh, off the weak side and, and getting the ball on the move towards the rim, and then he can use his uh, his athleticism from there. The key is to get the defense focused on somebody else first, and then turn around and go, oh crap, and, because then all of a sudden Zion's coming at him like a runaway tractor trailer. So uh, it, I, let's see, let's just see what he does. I, I we, we've seen him again in summer league, we've seen him in preseason, and I, I just you never can trust preseason results. No, you just I, can't. I agree with that. One hundred percent. It's just so much noise out there, and guys yeah. just either don't care, what have you. But when you he don't play, know what the other team is trying, you don't know what exactly. combinations the other team is trying to use. Yeah, you could say, yeah, he torched Rudy Gobert, but what were the Jazz trying to do? The Jazz even struggled at the beginning of the season. They did. So you know, no, I agree that it's it's not predictive of everything. But and you sent these over to me. We do have some odds for him. We can take maybe a quick look at these. So we, you, let's give our predictions on what happens here, so people can yell at us when we're inevitably wrong about certain things. Sure, uh, let's do it. Zion total minutes played over under fifteen and a half. Uh, I'll take the over on that. Uh, yeah, I, I think I think they can get him more than three five minute stints. So, I, so I'll say it's probably somewhere in the seventeen to twenty range. Yeah, and if it's a close game and he looks fine, they're gonna leave him in. And so there's yeah, a why chance not? maybe he goes over twenty potentially if the game's a little bit closer than it, it could be. Uh total points for Zion over under at nine and a half. Oh, that's so tough. I'm gonna go I'm gonna go under. Really? Okay. Yeah, I'm gonna go under just just because I'm trying not to set the expectations too high. <laughs> Like, I'm seriously, I'm just thinking like, you know, if he goes over it, great, but I'm going to set my expectations low and and just let the kid play. So I think he goes over, like, this is a guy who can get to the line. Now the Spurs don't. So what do you think he's going to drop like 32? Yeah, totally. Please. He's going to go for 62, one up Lillard from the other (laughs) night. Now, I I think 15 is maybe a a realistic number. If he gets the line six times, which is, is reasonable in my opinion. Like, you're halfway there already. Uh, the interesting one, I think, could be rebounds, which they're setting at five and a half. I think he can I think he can go over on that because that's just boxing out an effort. And I think he can go out and get – I think he can go out and get four defensive rebounds easy and then, you know, maybe, maybe a tip, a tip in or something like that. So I, I'll go over. So I might go under on this one because you have a number of guys who've been rebounding well. Lonzo Ball rebounds well. Josh Hart rebounds well from the wing position. And then Derek Favors down low. The Spurs, you know, I, you know, they're just kind of sound when it comes to uh, offensive rebounding and certain things, even though they don't do a ton of it. I think he might struggle with this one a little bit more due to the other players on the Pelicans. The interesting one is... Will his first field goal be a dunk? You have yes being the favorite, no being the underdog in this one. I mean, you gotta have, you gotta say yes. I don't think so. I think it's gonna, I think it's a layup or a free throw. I don't think he's gonna get that dunk right off the bat. I hope he does. So wait, what's the, what's the bet? Is it first points or first? 
Oh, first field goal. So I guess not first free throw field. in there. But oh, that is. I take. Okay. I take. Uh, give me. Give me the points basically in this one. Give me. Give me the underdog and get more for my money here. Yeah. Yeah. I guess. I, I, I'm gonna say. I'm gonna say that's probably gonna be a dunk because. What else is Zion gonna do? Like it's got it, very true. If he's go, if he's going up towards the rim, he's gonna have so much nervous energy. He's gonna try that first the the first time he gets close to the rim, he's gonna try and rip that damn thing off. And if he try if he tries to take a jumper, that thing's gonna be about three feet long. Yeah, look, that's probably very true for it. So I still think no, but then the final one we'll touch on here: over under of total dunks two and a half. I'll say under under I'll take the over on this one I think you can get him out in transition where the Pelicans really want to run and if you do look like just just make a business decision who's ever trying to defend that and get out of the way and don't be on his like first or second dunk poster Um, so there you have it those are the odds for Zion Williamson and our picks for him I will say do not discount the the San Antonio desire to stop Zion Williamson because being in that other locker room on a game like this, you know, the game's been flexed into national TV. You know why it's been flexed into national TV. There is absolutely a concerted effort on the San Antonio Spurs players part to be like, Oh yeah. Okay. We see, we see all this Zion stuff. We're going to, we're going to treat this game a little bit differently. You know, I, I think there's going to be a little extra juice on the San Antonio side to make sure that this isn't just another game for them because they don't want to be embarrassed by Zion. They know everybody's there to watch Zion. They're going to make it a point to either foul or step in to take charges. The business decisions are not going to be quite so, so many. They're going to try to make him earn them, earn his points at the line. Like, I think you're going to see a different energy from San Antonio. I think that's going to play into this a little bit. It, look, you're just going to give me another reason to hate the Spurs uh, as a division, <laughs> division rival here. We'll say one thing we won't see is Zion Williamson falling asleep on the bench, which we've seen twice now, though he did say at practice yesterday that he was just meditating a little bit. And John, that brings us to another sponsor of Locked on NBA, doesn't it? Wasn't he using the Calm app? I think so. I could have sworn. Maybe I didn't see it. Maybe I did. I don't know, but... I think he was probably using that Calm app, just like LeBron James does, to get some good sleep and meditation. Maybe it works too well because he's doing it on the sidelines. You know, we talk about physical fitness a lot. I'm a big mental health guy, and I like talking about mental fitness as well. And Calm is the number one app for sleep and meditation. They've teamed up with LeBron to help you train your mind. LeBron and Calm know that your mind is like any other muscle in your body, and Calm can help you train your brain to sleep better, have less stress, and perform at your best. We always sacrifice sleep. It's the worst thing you can do. You need sleep. LeBron knows that sleep is an important part of his own mental fitness routine. And he says getting good sleep and finding time to rest is one of the most valuable things that I can do for my body and mind. So you should go to calm.com slash locked on to get 40% off a calm premium membership with calm. You have access to all of the nature scenes that LeBron loves like rain on leaves and so much more like sleep stories 
and meditations. I can't go to sleep without some sort of like rain sound myself. So it's very good to focus on something and clear your head. For a limited time, our listeners can join LeBron in using Calm with a 40% discount to an annual membership on calm.com slash locked on. Unlock content to help you focus, ease stress, and sleep better. Get started at calm.com slash locked on. That's calm, C-A-L-M dot com slash locked on. All right, so a former Celtic in the news here for some kind of sad reasons. Delonte West, if you haven't seen the video, you can go check it out. It's almost disturbing to watch, though, I think. And we should definitely be talking about it on the show. John, you want to lead us off here? Yeah, so he was seen in a video in Maryland uh, basically just getting beat up on the street. Now... Nothing legally has come of it because the police say that he, I think, knew the guy and they knew each other and they were refusing to cooperate and refusing to press charges. But the video, which actually did lead to the suspension of an officer who videotaped uh, uh, Delante when he was uh, handcuffed, the video has now raised a lot of concerns about Delante West's well-being. His battle with bipolar disorder is very well documented. It goes back to his early days uh, is in college and, and probably before and has been something that he's been battling for a long time. Now, since that video has been shown, it's been shared all over the place. It's gone viral. We now know that the uh, NBA Players Association has been in contact with him his former teammates have often been in contact with him. The Celtics are said to have been in contact with him as well as other former teams trying to get him the help that he needs. So uh, a very sad situation uh, exacerbated by the, the fact that, you know, he he also has to kind of want the yep. help. It's the, kind of a big part with it. People need to realize they need help and then you know, either seek it out or accept it, I think. And that's where we don't know how this might go, I guess. Yeah. It, it, and this is a very difficult thing. Um, and, and for people who, I mean, I know listeners from my podcast may know, and I've shared it on, on my social channels. Like I personally have, have dealt with depression myself. Uh, one of my best friends committed suicide uh, over 20 years ago now. Um, it, it just, the, the journey through mental health that I've had has opened up my eyes to a lot of things. It's difficult for Delonte. Uh, and I don't know him. I don't know exactly what, what's happening, but I've seen it a million times where it, you're in a, a, a tough spot where people are offering to help. And it's not just about money. It's not about that. He had money. The fact that he had money may make this even worse because when you have uh, demons like this that you're battling and you have money to spend, you, that can exacerbate the problem. So, um, but at the same time, he needs to want the help, like I, like I said, but he may not also be kind of capable of wanting that help. What, and and that, that's where the, the spiral really starts to kick in. At what point do you, what do you do? Do you uh, involuntarily incarcerate him or hospitalize him or something and, and try to get him force the help that he needs on him. So he can, with a clear mind, understand what's been happening and then start to make more decisions for himself. 
I mean, it's, it's a really, really difficult scenario, and and it's hard to it's hard for us on the side to be like, this is what he needs to do. But at the same time, you know that he just he needs something. Yeah, I, I so the biggest thing that I see in this, other than kind of the things you mentioned, is that the NBA is offering a lot of support for him, and they saw this and kind of look like they immediately stepped into action on this because this kind of feels like like a situation you'd see in the NFL, and less so the NBA, just based off of like the brain injuries that they sustained sure. in that and everything. And it's nice to see that the NBA, despite the guy not being in the league anymore, isn't just being cast aside and they're taking proactive steps. And since they've kind of been at the forefront of the mental health initiative within pro sports and with pro athletes, seeing them do that is kind of like backing up all of the talk, in my opinion. So yeah, I, I see that and it gives me hope that this can be maybe avoided for everyone in the future, former NBA players, because, you know, sometimes being a pro athlete takes a lot of a big toll on you. Yeah, it's it's so difficult because, uh, as we always say when it comes to this stuff, like when I when I hurt a knee, you can see me limping. You know, if I'm cut, you can see me bleeding. People can't see some of these signs that show, hey, this person is dealing with a a mental health issue, and it's incumbent on the person who's dealing with these things to kind of say, I'm dealing with these things, but. The horrible catch 22 is the things that you're dealing with kind of take away your capacity to ask for that help. And so it's almost like you have to stars have to align. It's almost like a solar eclipse where things have to line up just perfectly. And you have like that one shot to say, oh, my God, I need help. And then you got to hope that somebody actually helps you and that something good comes of it. Uh, my biggest thing with all of this is that I hope that people see the Delonte West thing first for the, what he needs for, for who he is as a person and, and take away all the extraneous crap of, well, he used to be a player and he had all this and he blew it. It's his own fault. Like, no, that's not true. And the second thing is we're all coming to Delonte's aid. We're trying to do what we can to come to Delonte West's aid. But that's because he's a former NBA player. And there are millions yeah. of people just like Delonte, exactly suffering the exact same thing. Who aren't going to get the help that no one have these resources. No one's talking about them. But they're all out there, and we see them. And what do we do? We see them, and we kind of like cower, and we walk away. We're scared because it feels dangerous. And it's just it's sad and I don't know what the answer is. It's hard. I get everybody's busy and it's, you got your own problems and all that stuff, but there, there's, there has to be some sort of movement. And, and I think it starts with accepting that these are involuntary situations in which they find themselves and s slowly accepting like, okay, this is this is how we have to handle this. We have to help. We have to offer help. We have to come together to help. We have to do something. But accepting this scenario and saying this is not his fault. This is a brain. Uh, this is a disorder. This is a disease. This is an injury. However you want to phrase it, that he needs help. 
and other people like him need help. Yeah, and look, we're talking about it here. This has kind of been in the news and it'll be in the news cycle and hopefully it'll remain in the news cycle after that, bringing that kind of awareness and maybe getting people more involved and thinking more about it. And I guess maybe that's one of the best case scenarios you can kind of look at it when it comes to this. So hopefully he gets the help he needs. Hopefully this encourages others to kind of take a look at this too and maybe sparks some change. So a bit of a sad note to end the podcast on because like I said, you watch that video, it almost feels, you know, there's no violence or anything in it, but it does feel a little bit disturbing, unfortunately. So that's going to do it for this edition of Locked on NBA. Thank you all for listening. I will be at the Smoothie King Center tonight for Zion's debut and I cannot wait. (laughs) And on Wednesdays, I'm your co-host Jake Madison at Nola Jake on Twitter, host of the Locked on Pelicans podcast. And I'm John Corrales at Reds Army underscore John on Twitter, and I host the Locked On Celtics podcast. Thank you all for listening. We'll be back with you all next Wednesday.